0: My
1: condition was in I woke up this morning With the sundown Shining in oh. Where's the money, Lebowski?
2: Where's the f***ing money, head?
1: Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh It's down there somewhere Let me take another look I found my mind In a brown paper bag But then... 106 miles to Chicago We got a full
3: tank of gas Half a pack of cigarettes It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses.
1: Hit Trip down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I told my man on a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the news, So, uh, you know, that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do.
4: There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use
5: so many cuss words. What the f*** you talking about?
6: Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sun down,
4: shining in
5: him. Going to back, I'm Jack, sometime now. had on the board on a rainy day this futures down 50 cents, a futures down 37. So uh Kevin, how are you? He realizes Andrew Kidd's got some power. He jinxed the morning. It's all my fault, huh? No, Andrew, you know you don't have the... You got no oh, you got no power. Okay. Jesus. Yeah, he's he's staying downtown. He said well, I'll walk over to the office. Now, of course, with all the muggings and shootings and everything else. So I said, "Well, why don't I, why don't I just pick you up?" Oh no, I'll prefer to walk. So I knew it was going to be raining, and it is. He's all wet. It it, it was a surprise. I really did not see that coming. Of course, he couldn't have woken up and said, "Hey, Chief, are you on the way? Come get my ass." No, no.
7: (laughs) Well, look at it this way, uh, Andrew. You know, people tell me I'm all wet all the time. So,
5: welcome to the club. Uh, (laughs) glad to be a part. Um, So we have our labor numbers coming out today. The uh, estimate is two seventy-five. The, uh, whoever these estimators are. Who are these estimators? Mitch Richard J. Daly. Who are these alligators? Um, so, Kevin, I have all kinds of things after the people on this week to review with you. We, by the way, we have uh, Joel, since we missed him on Tuesday, is going to call in today for 15 minutes to talk some football with Kevin at, uh, at uh, 6.30, so that should be fun. Um, and I'll shut up and you guys can talk football because he knows I don't really about Michigan football, uh, and you do. The Michigan is somehow hanging in there why do I, get the feeling well, I know enough,
7: something about Michigan football?
5: No, but you know enough about other football to be able to joust with him.
7: i will go total Sergeant Schultz on that one.
5: Yeah, well, but you know, it's it's doesn't it strikes you, <laughs> Kevin on his football stuff, and we got other stuff to talk about, but he, uh, it, it's like there's the big three or four that manage to get all these recruits, and I'm going to say in clandestine ways, or let's say they're very good at getting them. Then there's all the other teams that are... Are nipping at the heels, and I'd put like the Michigan's and Notre Dame's on a good year. Uh, those those guys are kind of in that camp. Am I, am I wrong with that, or has this transfer portal changed all this?
7: Well, yeah, the the whole dynamic has changed. In uh, so the the question gets to be, you know, what can you get from high school? What can you keep from that batch of recruits? And then what do you get off of the uh, 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 off of transfers? Know, when, when we say the, the transfer portal, that's just the mechanism. That's just a registration uh, right. uh, uh, approach for uh, uh, for, tr- for people who want to transfer. People have been transferring all along. People, you know, there's probably more now than ever before. No, not even probably. There are more now than ever before. But the idea that the portal has something to do with it is uh, is not true.
5: No, but it's but you, you know, can you know just s-
7: hey, put your name in here. So that this happens more above board, rather than uh, everybody out there has to figure out who to contact and who not to contact.
5: But you, but you you get you get to play the next year. That's change. You don't have to sit out a year, correct?
7: That's a big change. Yep. So you get your you get your one time transfer without sitting out, and uh, and and so that that's a huge change. And this all you know that you know we started moving in that direction back when uh, they started saying, well, if you graduate, you can transfer. Right. So, uh, you know, and, and without sitting out. And, uh, and, and which I thought was a, an absolutely wonderful rule because, uh, you know, supposedly, if, if we want to claim that these are student-athletes, then we probably should say, if you've done the student part, you should be able to do
5: what's best for yourself on the athlete part. Well, except and that every rule... Every certainly people who graduate have done the student part. Well, one of the things that's, in one man's opinion, one of the things that's roiling this com- country, is the incredible prosecutor- prosecutorial license, uh, Kevin. And if if you don't want to, no, you know, people are are frigging crooks everywhere, and nobody goes after them. And then all of a sudden, somebody, you know, or you, you know, spits on the sidewalk, and there's 15 cops around. Them. I mean, we have a we have a real issue, in my opinion, in this country about. We have too many laws and they're not enforced or they're enforced so selectively. The original rule, as I, as I believe it, to have been was if I'm at Notre Dame and I transfer, I'm, I'm supposed to be transferring to a place that has a, gr- a graduate program that Notre Dame does not have. Correct? Wasn't that Correct. the original story? Yeah, well, it's not hard to or, do. Or, or, or give it, give it, tell me that if you're transferring from Wisconsin to Ohio State, that Ohio State has a a, a graduate program that this kid gives a bleep about that is that Wisconsin does not have.
7: Well, of course they do. Yeah, everybody's got specific programs.
5: Well, I mean, you can make one up. I'm saying it's a rule designed to be broken or got around is what I'm saying.
7: Well, it, it's easy to get around is what you're saying. It's it's a rule that's easy to get around.
5: I mean, you. you I mean, if you're well, going to be a normal person and go to Wisconsin for or to Ohio State for law or for or for business school. You can't tell me Wisconsin is out of a law or business school.
7: Yeah, but it's not. It's not generically law law school. It's not generically business school. It may be that um, you know that, that one. You know, I'll give you an example. It may be a business school that has a curriculum in supply chain analytics that the other doesn't have.
5: Uh, okay, um, and then all right. My next question okay. is: How many fat, fat girls can dance on the head of a pen? I'll always find one professor or one class or something. I'm saying the rule was a get-around, is my point.
7: It is, but it, you know, it was also referred to a group degree, and so what? Yeah. You know, I mean, To I me, why I have that restriction at all? Because, like I said, the the athlete did the student part that, that you like to tout so much, that, well, and that you, I mean, the NCAA, right. likes to tout so much. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it you, you did your part. Why not have a choice that's going to be good for your athletic career one way or another? I mean, it may be good for your athletic career just because you finally get a chance to, uh, to be a starter. It may be good for your athletic career because it's going to put you in a better position uh, to have a professional uh, career in, in football or basketball. So I don't have any problem with that. You know, for a long time, the, the game has been so skewed. To the institutions rather than the athletes, and the athletes have you know just had to sit back and and take the restrictions that are imposed on them.
5: By the way, I'm mean, going
7: I'm fully in favor of uh, you know of their ability to transfer. I you know it, is is it chaotic? Yeah, and we need to figure that out um, uh, and and put some order to it. And you know, might it make sense to have some restrictions? But you know, heck, you know, if you if you, if you promise me. Um, and I'm trying to remember who, who it was that uh, um, Urban Meyer recruited at Florida and promised never to have another quarterback that he's going to recruit there uh, in the next class, only to recruit Tim Tebow oh,
5: you got know, you.
7: <laughs> to take the job right away. You know, you get that kind of stuff all the time. Why should, you know, it, it's a it's a game that has been historically rigged in favor of the schools, uh, and, uh, it, you know, it, it once you, you, you get locked in somewhere and and if you know it's one thing to say if you're an offensive or a defensive lineman or a linebacker you can get in the playing rotation no problem you're you're in the rotation you get on the field even if you're not a starter but if you're a quarterback well, you right. know sorry you're either the starter or you don't play
5: uh, by, you. by the and way that's, I'm gonna, you know, uh, that's uh, what it is i'm going to you
7: that guy have to sit there and put up with that Rather than uh, uh, rather than seize the opportunity to go someplace where they do
5: need his services. By the way, I'm about to rack your Friday and agree with you 100. percent My point is, that the rule was dumb in the first place. Why was it even there? Just to just to make somebody feel good. Uh,
7: yeah, probably to to make it feel like hey, we're we're just not letting this go willy nilly, but the, but we did. Yeah, yeah, okay. NCAA, stupid rules. Hard to believe, isn't yeah. it?
5: Well, I. Uh, my next question is: As is, is, is we keep walking down these roads that we don't know where, where, where they lead, uh, the immortal words of Jack Callahan, good friend on the board, the board of CBOE, we don't know where we're going, but we're well on our way. This kid from or, or we're getting there fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. w- this kid from Boise State brings up, and, and, and nothing is untoward with this, uh, but it brings up a question. I, I think, I believe, I think that if, if like a coach gets fired or something. Back back a while back before all these rules changed anyway, weren't those people at least the people coming in or somebody w- weren't they allowed to transfer and play somewhere else if the coach got canned? Was there something? They
7: always them? had to go get waivers and and they inevitably got them, so it it, it it wasn't that big a deal. But yeah, if if you had signed your letter of intent um, and then the coach got fired, you know, in December and the coach got fired in January, uh, then uh, yeah. It, you know the, the theory of not having that freedom and having to go through a, um, a a whole process to try and make a change was that you're supposed to choose the institution, not the coach. Well, gee, yeah. you know, for, a, for someone who has uh, aspirations to play professional football, do you really think that's the case that they're not choosing a coach who's going to play a style that fits their talent or that uh, is going to develop them in a certain way? Uh, again.
5: Well, my, my next question is the if you take that to its its further degree, um, I'm gonna I'm not gonna say it never happened, Kevin, because I don't have that that long of a memory when it comes to college stuff. But I was gonna, I'm gonna say it was a very rare event. You know, somebody had to be you know sleep sleeping with the chairman or something uh, to be booted after three or four games. Usually, your coaching change at the end of the year in a contract, whatever. But I'm not saying it never happened. I mean, it probably did. But now this, this Boise State in Nebraska and a couple other places, didn't who, who just got canned? Wisconsin too. Yep. The same was kind of, he got canned yesterday, right, or something, or two days ago? Yes. Yeah. What well, I am saying, the guy at Boise State now, the guy gets gets booted, gets bleep canned, and uh, a Nebraska was what after one game or two games, and uh, all of a sudden now the quarterback says, "Well, I am not playing if he's if the, if the offensive coordinator and the coach are here, I am not playing." So he he bails out after week two. I mean, he's in the transfer portal for next year. I'm, I'm saying, Kevin, we're very, very close for saying why can't that kid play this year? If he's in business class, he could he could walk into another Notre Dame business class tomorrow, same class, same book. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking we're we're, we're going to be very close to that.
7: Well, and you'll you'll see if, if, if that becomes the case, we'll see because most most colleges won't let you enroll, you know, after a certain point. Um, you know, even to get in, even in my case, to get into one of my classes a week into the, uh, a week after it started, requires a whole lot of people to sign off, um, and and it isn't necessarily approved. So, uh, you know, enrolling uh, four four six weeks into the semester, uh, generally not a practice on the academic side that would be uh, condoned. So how would they incorporate that into football well you'll find somebody who's willing to make that happen
5: Do, do you guys have a
7: now, also in my case though we do we do a lot of eight-week courses rather than 16-week courses that last the whole semester so you can enroll in the second eight weeks you can enroll right after spring uh, after fall break
5: do you guys have a football team and are we talking about a good quarterback uh,
7: well, I, I have a um, a, t- a t-shirt that says uh uh, Ivy Tech football undefeated since
5: 1963. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, I was uh, it's
7: winless too, but because we don't have one, but we haven't lost. So
5: I keep uh, t-shirt. I keep flipping in my feeble mind the uh, my discussion with the two Trumpies last last Saturday night, and I I just I don't know when you when you get to this end. I I really do believe. I mean, I'm not. Everybody knows I'm not a a Biden fan. I mean, I'm not. I don't hate the guy or anything, but I. I, uh, I think we could always, d- we could do better, you know, than our, than our last however many presidents really, but uh, that's just a, you know, it's just a, a judgment, it's not saying that the people are bad or whatever, but the, uh, just about everybody, I mean, nobody seems to have an opinion that this Ukrainian situation is something very, very unusual. It's kind of almost like the missile crisis, but not really, uh, it's it is a very touchy very difficult thing to deal with and my view of a lot of the people that I talk to that drop into this hate this side hate the other side my side's always right I, I've gotten Kevin to be honest with you some of the stupidest remarks out of these people that, the, that are man in the moon I mean the, the people last week were we would never have had this problem if Trump was in there w- what are you talking about well Putin would be afraid of Trump. He would never. They, they remind me of the three idiots used to talk about Mike Ditka on Saturday Night Live. Gee, if you had a center and Ditka against, say, all pro team, I'll well, take Ditka. It is it, reaching that stage. With many Ditka. Yeah, it, it's reached this stage. Let me get well, a straight. And,
7: and you know what? As <clears throat> as it pertains to Trump, I don't know what Putin would have done or wouldn't have done.
5: And neither do they. Uh, and neither I don't do I. He
7: didn't did not do so uh, so at least we have that but, but here's here's the, the one thing that Trump sort of brought to the table and and if you go over like to North Korea and and look at this in the extreme uh, it, it, it's just one example there is always an element of crazy that is a bit of a deterrent to uh, uh, you know to, to anybody who wants to screw around with the North Koreans you're always afraid that they're going to launch, that they just don't have the sense not to. Um, and and I do think Trump brought an element of unpredictability like that that, uh, that at least made people wary because they didn't know how he would react to any given situation. It got pretty predictable over the course of four years. I mean, you, you remember him, uh, you know, backing off of a yeah. retaliatory attack in the Middle East because of, uh, because of the collateral damage that it would have had, the civilian damage it would have had. Uh, when everything, you know, where literally the planes were in the air, and they pulled him back. Um, so, you know, there 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 was a measure of restraint there that doesn't exist with Kim Jong Un uh, as an example. But uh, but there is an element of unpredictability. That at least makes it more difficult for someone like Putin or some anybody else to have some kind of encouragement because they don't know what's the response. Well,
5: Obama wasn't crazy; and he didn't do it under Obama's watch either.
7: Yes, they did. They took Crimea. Well,
5: I mean, they didn't. Nope. They didn't you know, again, you
7: could argue whether they, you know, had a puppet or not. Uh, you know, Carl's had some interesting thoughts on that, um, but that's not the point. Under Obama, yeah, they rolled right into Crimea and took
5: it. What I'm saying is it's an argument that. that, that it's not worth having on a Saturday night over, over a glass of wine. I mean, you can't... There's <laughs> no. no I mean, there's no... no let's go back to football. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like saying, uh, well, Roosevelt did a horse bleep job because who would he even run against? Was it Wilkie? Uh, well, if Wilkie had been in there, the Japanese have been afraid of him. Okay. <laughs> what, do, what do I even do with that piece of information, Governor? I mean, I... It, it's not the way it worked out. It's
7: speculative. It is not fact. It is speculative. So, okay, so
5: speculative. By the way, speaking of speculative, I... You I know, sp- but it
7: is, uh, you, know, you know, you know what I... It's a yeah. impression about opinions.
5: Well, I mean, Everybody I, I, has one,
7: and most of them stink.
5: I got a, I got a pretty... You know, we'll have uh, Wayne on, on Monday. Maybe I'll we'll talk a little more about the history of this, but... Uh, the Nixon thing was a really thoughtful article... And uh, somebody wrote into the core digest, and what you do is you post questions, and then people who think they're experts post the answer. And you know, who knows if they know what they're talking about or not. I will tell you, say this though: is there, there are in this country, Kevin. There's got to be. I don't know how many hundred baseball. Uh, I'm going to use the term geniuses or nutjobs, depending on what you want. If you were to say in there, if you want to, if you were to put in this court tomorrow, uh, who's like the? Is this guy the best second baseman within hours? Somebody will write you uh, some 1,000-page thing with stats up to behind of every conceivable type of of who were the best second base. People love this stuff. Anyway, the question was, what if Nixon... if What was the guy that turned John Dean is the one who turned the whole thing over in front of Congress, right? He's the one who said, you know, we knew about this beforehand or something. And he's the one who essentially took Nixon down. I mean, I'll run this by Wayne, but... So the question was, what if John Dean would not have said that? So the person played the thing out, and he said probably, uh, well, Spiro Agner was already gone, right? So Nixon would have finished out his term, a very good chance that Jerry Ford, whoever he liked, would have been the next president, Bush would have been way too old then, and it basically spun the whole thing out. And it,
7: well, or, or Jerry Ford would have lost because Nixon was so unpopular and never would have been president right. in the first
5: place. But but it either it would have knocked people who were older out of the game. You know, he would have run in that, uh, Bush, or whoever... Or, I mean, who ran, who ran, uh, who was after Nixon? Was, uh, who uh, beat, uh Jimmy, Car- Jimmy Carter. Carter. Well, they said Jimmy Carter would not, probably not have been in there. So, I mean, they, they just spun it out in a way that, you know, you can argue with it, but it is interesting how history has these little, what do you want to call them, flex points, right? And, and you really don't know what it would have been if you'd have taken the other fork in the road, do you? You know, the people, yeah, right?
7: well, you know what? A really interesting exercise from way long time ago. Uh, was what if Kennedy hadn't been uh, assassinated, or what if the bullet hadn't done so much damage and he would have lived? And you know what would have happened politically after that?
5: Which uh, also,
7: kind of interesting, uh, uh, interesting little uh, mental exercise.
5: Well, you know what, you know what's weird about that exercise because I've read a two or three of those there too. Is that it becomes a medical exercise? There's people that are absolutely convinced. As bad as his Parkinson's, whatever his spine thing was that he, he would never have finished out his uh, second term. He, he, was, he, he was like a man with four years to live anyway. Well, I,
7: we would have had a dose of Lyndon Johnson anyway.
5: Yeah. Well, um, well if, if, if if, he, and
7: the question is, you know, what, what would have happened with Vietnam? Yeah. Been, would it have been the same or different? My, my guess is it would have been essentially the same, um, which then shaped, you know, politics for the next, what,
5: 15 years? Yeah, well, the other the other question is, is uh, depending on who you believe, was he in the in the in the opinion of dumping Jansen anyway, where he would not have been the second vice chair, vice president second term? Interesting. Hey Kevin, have you? I'm going to cut here to some business stuff. We've got business, midgets, thanks and jacks. Um, what do you make of this uh, credit suisse? You, you know anything about these? Um, what's the name of this place? Uh, Archigos A r c h e g o s. You know about these guys? They were no, now haven't like,
7: ha- and, and haven't had time to look
5: into it at all. Well, this Credit Suisse, one of the reasons why that they're having these kinds of issues is that they got to get this huge whack with this Archigos a few years ago and have not really been able to re- recover. Uh, then they, they want to buy three billion Swiss francs worth of their debt securities to to store up their balance sheet, and I guess they want to sell some big hotel. I'm looking for the name of the hotel. I can't find it. Um, Oh, the Savoy Hotel—they own in Zurich's financial district. Uh, so, so they're trying to use the proceeds in the hotel to buy buy some stuff down there. Credit default swaps have gone from one percent to six, and are evidently are creeping Deutsche Bank's ups as, w- as well. But these guys—they <coughs> lost—they uh, have $5 dollars billion, $5 billion worth of exposure to this hedge fund. And here's the weird part: this place. I'm reading about this, and I, I you know I I saw about this when it happened. But these these dudes had um, the number is, is is mind-boggling. Can we we look at this and, and we supposedly have these, you know? And I'm not going to blame. Well, I'm going to blame them. The, the. These are things that you and I. I mean, it, I mean me me more than you as an investor of other people's dough. That's why I, I really stay away from these some of these companies because I don't know anything about them. They, they, I mean, I I can only imagine if if I was. Uh, um, you know, a, a guy. They put some people in somebody's of you and know, I'll give it to some of the companies they're in. If I put somebody's money in this crap, and all of a sudden I found out that they were 50% owned by this guy Bill Hoang, who was leveraged up to behind. God's sake! I mean, how? I mean, the 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 Fed has all these statistics. They have all this. They, they know who the banks have lent money to. I really want them looking forward, and I don't think they ever do. For God's sake! SEC alleges Ark goes, <laughs> Bill Hoang... Use 160 billion in leverage. How in God's name do you get 160 billion in leverage? They own as much as 70 percent of a single company. These are the biggest stakes he controls. Uh, look at these places. They're, these are these are household names for God's sake. Um, the first one is uh, GSX Tekadu. I don't know what these guys. They uh, they own 70 percent. The peak number of shares owned is 101 million shares, 8.5 million dollars, billion dollars. In their performance since Archegos wasn't propping a stock up. <clears throat> down ninety-eight percent right now. That's one I don't know. That it, now Discovery Class A, these guys I know, uh, they own over sixty percent, hundred million shares owned, seven point five billion dollars. How do you get all this leverage to buy shares, and then they're on leverage? The performance since the downfall minus sixty-eight percent. But here's one. I'll, I'll skip, I have no idea who's IQIYI, but the fourth one, you you know. Paramount, Paramount. They own fifty percent, two eighty-six million shares. They're, they're down fifty-six percent. Ten cents. We remember that name, right? They own forty-five percent of this place. I mean, how, Kevin, how the how in the hell? When if, if somebody if I if I make a trade here on Web, I buy a bunch of stuff for four cents for people. And, you know, sometimes you know we got a lot of clients. I'll buy, you know, two thousand or something. Let's say five cents. Okay, so it's 5 bucks times 2000 It's a $10,000 trade. My brother has to fill out a form of why I bought so much of something. And did I have any inside information? How the hell does somebody get a 50% stake in, in six big companies using leverage like this? Do, do, well, are, are they so concentrated on me? Let me ask
7: another how in the hell question. How in the hell does anybody conducting a safety and soundness exam, um, which it happens at least annually, um, from from a regulatory standpoint, how does anybody give that a pass and not look at it and say you guys are not reserved nearly enough?
5: I, I think somehow it's all because the, I don't think they understand the leverage. I, I think the the the, the twenty five to thirty year old people who work for these these uh, whoever they are, Finra or SEC or the, I don't think they have a, they have a clue what goes on in these big places. Yet it's it's real easy to come over and, and bitch at me about. It. Five thousand dollar trade. They're not really pitching. Yeah, even
7: a green auditor can can you know put pencil to paper and say uh, um, you know to, and, and say that doesn't fit our formulas and and what and and how does that you know how does anybody defend it I I, I don't get it uh, that it just doesn't make any
5: every, sense. every one of these these fiascos long term capital the, the mortgage stuff every one of these fiascos whether you can say. You know, the Mexican guy got the mortgage he shouldn't have got, or blah, you know, blah blah blah. I mean, you can go there, but we'll talk about this later. But I mean, every single one, Kevin, is a is a a fiasco on the leverage side. That the only people that could possibly have known that were the people in the central currency and the Fed, and those kinds of people. Nothing that you and I could ever know. How would I ever know? What in God's name Credit Suisse is doing to be? Oh,
7: as an investor, yeah, you wouldn't. You absolutely wouldn't. Anyway, I'm just saying. You know, isn't there somebody who? Comes in, looks at their books on a, on a regular basis, a regular uh, regulatory audit, and says, uh uh-uh, uh, we got a problem here, folks.
5: I think if you're big enough, apparently
7: you're... the answer to that is no, there isn't anybody doing
5: that. SP Futures down seventy five. NASDAQ Futures down 38 We write back stocks and jacks Let Mr. Joel on because we missed him on Tuesday.
1: How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox.
5: Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks, I'm Tom Mowell, Andrew on the board, SP Futures. We're, we're all flattening around here because we got the uh, uh, jobs report at 7.30, so we're up one on the spoo's and we're down 28 in the NASDAQ. Uh, Dow's up 42, so we're just kind of, like I say, swinging around on the, on the flat line here after uh, we are down, you know, reasonable yesterday. would have been a decent down day except for the two huge up days this week. It kind of paled in comparison, but this morning we got the Nikkei down 195.7. Shanghai is uh, finally open, down 17 points, 0.6% at 3,024. Uh, Hang Seng again, ducking under 18,000, minus 272. 17,740 is a full percent and a half. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 6, call that flat. FTSE up 10, 0.1%. CACaron up nine point one percent. So we're really on flat line in pretty much Europe and US here ahead of these numbers. Yesterday, the Dow was down 346. S&P down 38, NASDAQ down 75, but still, uh, we're gonna. if we don't have an up week, today will have to be a crash, because we're up so much Monday, Tuesday, we're still kind of way up on the week. Uh, bonds, uh, up 2 basis points, 3.84 in a 10-year rate. Uh, Bund up 8 basis points, 2.16, I think that's as high as we've seen it in really a long time. Uh, Japan uh, unchanged at 0.25. The uh, UK is uh, rate is point four rate uh 4.20, I don't usually give that one, but we'll give that one this morning. Uh, oil up 88 cents, 89.33. Brent up 88 cents, 95.30. Natural gas down 17 cents, 6.80. Our up a penny, but 2.69. Uh, so we're creeping on this oil. Heading back towards uh, 90 bucks on the uh, uh, West Texas. Uh, gold down 4.80, 17.16. Silver up 3 cents, 20.69. Copper down 2 cents, 3.42. We've got Bitcoin down 33. right, right, Almost right on the number, 20,002. And we've got the U.S. dollar. The Euro dollar up two, two ticks to .974. And we've got the British pound up 34 ticks to 1.12. So uh, they're still low. Uh, they're steady, but they're low. What do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right. It is
8: 6.36 here in Chicago on October the 7th. Last night in Thursday night football, the Colts beat the Broncos 12-9. And in Wednesday night baseball, the Cubs won over the Reds 15-2. Well the White Sox lost to the Twins ten to one, and the Diamondbacks also won playing against the Brewers. It was two days ago. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Wednesday night.
5: Yeah, this, it was the because uh, today, yesterday was the off day. Today, the uh, all the playoffs start.
8: Yeah, exactly. Um, but five to four for the Diamondbacks yes. game. Uh, but so, going over the weather uh, right now in Chicago, it is definitely rainy at forty-nine degrees with a high of fifty-four, and over in Phoenix it's clear at seventy-three degrees with a high of ninety. Over on Chicago traffic, uh, we have one major accident, which is blocking the left three lanes of the outbound Kennedy before Diversi Avenue, uh, and that is causing lanes all the way from Diversi to downtown. And otherwise there's no major accidents, but traffic is building as it always does on the Eisenhower and Stevenson inbound roads. That's all I got. Back to
5: you, Chief. Do we have uh, uh, both Joel and Kevin?
2: I'm here, Chief. How are you, bud? You got me out on a a Friday, and I'm on with two Notre Dame guys?
5: Well, you're supposed to...
2: Yeah, you are.
7: (laughs) Yeah, you are, and here we are. It's you and me, and we're both here to preview tonight's big Nebraska-Rutgers matchup.
2: (laughs) You know what, Chief? Uh, Have I ever told you uh, my Notre Dame on the field story? Okay,
5: I know, but please do.
2: Okay, in in light of what happened uh, earlier in the week. So, I just had to be... I'm pretty sure like 82 or 83, Michigan was playing at Notre Dame. I
5: I was probably there.
2: Okay, so I go to the game. I go with a bunch of buddies. We drive there, and right when Michigan's getting ready to run out on the field, okay, we go to the back of the end zone where our seats were, and we run on the field with the Michigan team. And I am literally... Having Bo Schembeckler on the back, okay, and you know, no one says a word to us. You know, I, I we run off the field, no problems, no security. I go to a payphone. I call my dad. I said, Dad, did you see me running on the field with Bo? And he said to me, He goes, they started the broadcast when Notre Dame came on the field. <laughs>
7: so you you missed. Yes, it should have been Joel. Yes, yeah. it should have been.
2: Was that the night <laughs> game? Oh, uh, boy. I mean, all I know is that we were driving late in the game and towards our end zone, and Steve Smith threw an interception. He was trying to squeeze it in to Anthony Carter. So besides that, I, I can't remember.
5: Yeah, I remember those.
7: If it, if it was early 80s, it was, uh, uh, it was Jerry Faust. So um, he probably won. <laughs>
2: No, no. It well, no, we lost, I know we lost because I remember because they threw the interception. But are we talking sports? This guy's old. Kevin, are you old sports? Are we talking business at all? What well, I, I, have a, I
7: have a quick question. How did we're talk? We're talking. We're talking whatever you want to discuss,
5: Joel. Joel, how did Michigan? Uh, Although
7: I do want an explanation. I last last you. You know, it wasn't too long ago. You were telling us Michigan's a basketball school now. So what's what's up here?
2: Yeah. Oh, we're back.
7: We're back. We're back. <laughs>
2: I, I got some bandages from hopping off the bandwagon, and uh I don't know. Hardball finally got a quarterback. He finally figured it out. What I, I think Hardball was just a little early with this, like, college football being pro football, and all you do is, like, get transfers, and, you know, and it's a whole different ball game. So he was a little early in the nil. He's picked up some good players His brothers helped him out with a bunch of Assistants, I think that's the only reason That he uh, gets people to work with him Because he's crazy uh, But I think it's a combination of Finally his provision for College footballs come to fruition And his brother John Got him a bunch of good assistants
5: Are they, uh, they're not like Southern Cal With like 12 new transfers and stuff I mean, it seems like they got really good all, Real quick, Do they have a bunch of these uh, Transfer guys? Um,
2: I mean, they, they, they have some, but uh, they picked up a guy. You got to love this. He got kicked out of Bama. He got kicked out of Tennessee. And now he's in Michigan. He's an edge rusher. He was like a top five recruit. Um, he hasn't started much yet, but I think it's just that, you know, they're not an old transfers, but they also, the center was an All-American at Virginia last year, and he transferred from Michigan for an extra-year eligibility. So it's a combination of finally having a quarterback, running backs, and a lot of different things.
5: Well, a couple of good players in the right spot. I mean, it's – you know, that can help, <laughs> obviously. Um, a little, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's if you have the world's worst center, you can put an All-American in there. You just plug the huge hole. You know, I mean, it's uh, – well, so what – where do you – where, where, where would you put them vis-a-vis Ohio State in terms of talent?
2: A notch below, uh, really. I mean, Ohio State just keeps kicking out those, uh, you know, the five stars and stuff. So I think probably a notch below. I think Harbaugh's coaching up the three and four stars, which is a little bit different. Uh, we got to go down to the snake pit this year. Um, C.J. Stroud, still the Heisman candidate. I mean... You know, I got my victory last year. We're probably going to be, you know, maybe 10- to 12-point underdogs in things, you know, as they stand right now. Uh, but we got to beat Penn State a week from Saturday, so a lot of different things can happen.
5: Penn State pretty good. I mean, you know, uh,
2: they, uh, Michigan's got Indiana this week, and it, it,
7: it, I seem to recall that Indiana has been a bit of a thorn in their side. Uh, yeah, which, I don't you know, think more, more the than upsets, more than one would expect is, is, is that. Are you yeah. still concerned about that?
2: Well, I, you don't want to overlook anybody, you know. Obviously, um, but I, you know, we just we, we're kind of we're kind of deep at running back. We got Donovan Edwards back. The defense is starting to gel. You don't want to overlook, but um, you know that's what happens when you overlook. You get beat. But uh, you are right, Indiana on the road. Back-to-back road games, but they handled Iowa on the road, so I don't think Indiana is this tough um, environment to play on on the road.
5: Joel, I got to ask you a business question. Uh, what do you make of this crazy week? Uh, as, uh, my, as my brother said, we don't you don't normally have three percent rallies in bull markets, uh, so he he's he's he still has it in the bear market rally. Where do you, where do you, where do you come down on that?
2: I. I just don't know, I mean, how can we, we got to get through this Q3 earnings season. I mean, that's it. I mean, it's already the disaster, and it hasn't even started yet. Uh, AMZ comes out and warns. Uh, yeah, I mean, right now, until proven otherwise, this is a bear market rally. And um, that's all there is to it. We tested the June low, which everyone wanted us to do. Uh, we rebounded, but <laughs> there's no follow-through yet. We'll see what happens with the jobs number. Uh, but um, you know, and then we got inflation. Um, you know the CPI data. But uh, until until proven otherwise, that uh, you got to call this a bear market rally.
5: Yeah, we'll take thirty seconds if you want. Let's, what do you make of this? This uh, Twitter <laughs> uh, Musk. Thing? I mean, I, the other day, I, for the first time in fifteen years, I gave investment advice when the thing was up to like fifty two and a half. I said, if you've got this stock, thank your lucky stars, go to church, and sell it here. I mean, don't wait for the bucket. <laughs> I mean, don't wait for the bucket and a half. And now it's down three and a half dollars.
2: Longtime Twitter shareholder here uh, for several years. Um, sold half of my stake, believe it or not, before this all started at fifty-five. I wanted to hold the other half, right? Because you know, you always you know you always make money on the part you hold on to. I watched it go to $30, thirty, thirty-two. This is before Bob Musk got involved. It popped back over fifty. I think 52, 52 and a half. I said, sold to you. I haven't rebought it. I think the ARBs are in total control of this thing. And, you know, they, they scooped it up on the cheap there under 40 and they're dumping it now. The risk reward ratio right now, even with Twitter at 49 is just not good. And I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, what, you know, you can count on Musk. Perhaps changing his mind again. So I think he gave um, excellent advice, Chief. The risk reward ratio is just not there to hang it out, hang on there for that ex- an extra fifty four twenty. And I think he's going to come in with the revised bid too, uh, a little bit lower. So well, what uh, do you? Uh, good advice on your part.
5: Well, we were just talking uh, real quick. Final question. Final final. Uh, Kevin and I were just talking about bank examiners and who the hell's watching <laughs> Credit Suisse if they got all that money in that Arcoles guy. What 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 does it do if Morgan Stanley or somebody loans him twenty billion dollars to buy a stock at fifty four that everybody in every the world knows is worth twenty five, if that, maybe twenty two? What does that do to your balance sheet?
2: I don't know. I I tell you, I own a small piece of Tesla. and have wanted to sold it for years. I think mean, the right person running Twitter can make it a profitable company. I don't know if that's Elon Musk, and I don't know if. Uh, you know, if he's rounded up people. Um, really, of all these social media stocks, I mean, they were one of the early, you know, one of the pioneers, and they just never cashed in on it. So, um, I, I mean, I want, you know, it seems like it's viable and they can make more money, but they just never really grew the revenues like the other. And, and if he has a solution to do that, then are good to him. I'm, you know, frankly, I mean, I'm on the platform. I use a little bit of it, but I'm really sick and tired of it. I mean, there's, you know, I shouldn't be saying this because I'm going to get a bunch of hate tweets. But, I mean, it's just anonymous, man. You know, just you bully. You know, it's so easy to be a bully, you know, on social media and Twitter and all these things. So it could have some good uses. I just haven't figured it out yet.
5: Well, one thing's for sure. You should have to take a, a sobriety test before you use it, I think.
2: Oh, there's so many times I'm <laughs> telling you. I go, you know, like I saw a tweet last night, and I know, like, I, you know, I was going to respond to it, and I know when I ask myself, should I, you know, should I respond to this? I automatically know that I shouldn't respond.
5: Yep. Oh, all right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, hey, Kevin. Sorry, I all ran right. my mouth off so much. That's but, why um, we yeah.
5: wanted to hear about Michigan, bud. We talked too much yeah. Notre Dame. So take care. Okay, talk to go you on Tuesday.
2: Go do. Beat the Hoosiers.
5: <laughs> so um Kevin uh
7: meanwhile we've unleashed the uh, uh Notre Dame and Brigham Young on uh, so the Catholics and the Mormons have all been sent out to Las Vegas to play a game and for the weekend and we told all their people that what stays what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas so i think you know there's going to be a lot of uh, um you know uh, uh, re- uh, repressed
5: um <laughs> repressed <God>. behavior <laughs> it's uh is this the uh, Notre Dame uh Home game that they play try and play somewhere else over here
7: It, it is what they call the Shamrock Series.
5: But is there is their home game right allegedly?
7: Yeah, it's it's their home game. Is it's their n- it, you know it's it's just another way to have a night game for NBC and then to sell spiffy uniforms and shirts and things like that.
5: So this is the same as when they played Wisconsin at Soldier Field, basically.
7: Yep. Yeah, and they're gonna they they have actually have a return game scheduled that they're gonna play at Lambeau Field with Wisconsin. So it's not exactly the same because. The, this this particular game that they play on a regular basis is um is a home game. They don't necess- and there
5: isn't a return game from uh, well, the Lambeau from one home. where it got canceled during COVID, right? So that was already planned. Year, yeah. Two yeah. two so three and They had, they had to reschedule it. Matter of fact, Audrey had uh tracked down some beautiful like uh five bedroom house out right on the bay that we if we were all gonna go we could have all piled in there for like three nights or something. It'd have been pretty neat. Because it was wild. I mean, I don't even not Green Bay, but it's probably. Bay. I gotta believe this time of the year, you don't want to put your toe in the water up there, but you want to look at it at least. Just saying. Um, cool. Yeah,
7: well, a- actually, yeah, uh, it, it, there's there's a lot of people who uh, who go up to that area, you know, because it's it's close to Door County, and there's a lot of people who go up to Door County uh, just for the foliage at
5: this time of year. Oh, it's it's a beautiful place. Hey, and uh, and we're gonna hear from Carl obviously when the, before and after the numbers come out. Uh, you mentioned the other day. I remember exactly what you say. Uh, that uh, all kinds of help wanted ads are have dropped off. What is what is your current? I'm still seeing from my my nephew who's in the in the a lot, a lot in the machinery business that there's a lot of there's openings there because the skill set is not as you know people don't have it anymore. But uh, and in these companies. They're just kind of, the, they're sort of the, I mean, I'm not into big companies that much, uh, Kevin, but some companies, you know, you got to be big to build railroad cars and stuff, but uh, they don't seem to have, I like, mean, his company's got 60 people, and most of the places that are kind of like his that he talks to are in that same 40 to 75 range. You really don't have the size to have a a, a full-out uh, trainings group for like 10 guys. I mean, maybe maybe you have one or two people who are willing to come in on Saturdays or something and do it for people, but it's you're just not set up to you know, if you're hiring five hundred people for a big you know, a big contract you just got, you, you better have internal, you know, training. But I think a lot of these places just aren't if two guys retire that are your your machine mechanics, they're really not gonna spend their last four months training their replacement. I guess they could, you could incentive them to do that, but people have kinda gotten out of it. It's it's almost a I don't. Know, what's what would you psycho- psychologically call the you know, that business in this in the city here for the last forty years has just declined, declined, declined. You, the, even the owners of the places they're, they're doing this. Okay, we'll do the repair stuff. They're they're constantly bobbing and weaving and reinventing themselves to stay in business. It's really hard for you to do that to look forward. And I don't, I don't, I think now that there's that there is a forward, or I think there's a forward for these guys. I don't know if they've got the mindset to take it, Kevin. A I minute. Mean, I mean, it, it, it's hard when, when you have a... It'd be like all of a sudden if you got the training, trading floors back again. How the hell would you train thousand people who go out there and make markets? I mean, what would even uh, do? That it? would be
7: very, very difficult, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and so you're asking with all the changes, you, you, you know, you have a lot of these, um, you know, family-owned, uh, family-started, uh, maybe maybe they're to the second generation of management at this point, and you're saying now you have to reinvent yourself. Well, a, are they even capable of reinventing themselves? Because that's, that's a skill set of its own. Um, and, and so you, you have to ask those kinds of questions, and what does that mean? What that often means is you know, that the, the business winds up getting sold to some investor who may or may not um, be adept at uh, making that change because a lot of it, you know, a big part of some, uh, many small businesses, is just the culture of the place. And uh, and and what makes it, you know, work? What makes it special? So, it's it's always a, ri- a risky business. There there are operations out there. One I know of is an op- outfit called Guild, um, where you can do all the retrain. They will do the placement. They will arrange for the retraining. Um, so they might bring them to a community. You know, they might bring some of your employees to a community college like mine, um, and uh, and pair them up with the right programs. Maybe make set them up as accelerated. I, I know that you know there's also uh, um, you know like Western Governors University is an online uh, school that uh, it, that as an example they say you know you got seven weeks you can take it you can take as much as you can stomach and so you might get some people who sign up there and say I want to reskill in seven weeks and give me four courses and there's other people who might be able to say I can't handle more than one. Um, so there's there's all there's a lot of different models out there for how we retrain people, but Guild is kind of intriguing um, because uh, you know we we just did a an arrangement where or in, in the process of implementing an arrangement with them, where you know we'll probably see several hundred students um, over the uh, you know starting in the spring term and. You know, and and they all want to take online because you know it's it's people, but it's it's very very targeted for what the businesses that guild brings you know uh, um, brings to the table. It's very targeted for what they need. Um, where it got big and intriguing is they just got Walmart on board, but you can take a small business just as well with them.
5: Well, I know from uh, you know I'll, I'll talk out of school here a little bit, which I probably shouldn't. I mean, uh, 15 years ago, PTI. I mean, right now we're. We have, you know, some our clients that do the brokerage through us, and they think they're real happy with us. And we do a real lot of managed money for people, not only our clients, but for people, other people's clients that want my protected programs and things like that. So we've we've kind of zeroed our way down into a, a group that those that is really good at that. Well, we used to have seminars back when people wanted to learn how to trade. It was a whole different world. People wanted to learn all this stuff instead of just put it with manager Z and not touch it, hoping just bitch when their account didn't go up as much or the market just goes up every year and you don't want anybody touching it. Uh, there's no hedging, no anything else. So, Kevin, if we were to have a seminar like we used to do every other Saturday and had 50 people show up and got 40 applications <laughs> and, and all of a sudden we had another one and, and we half of our business used to be futures business, nobody trades futures anymore. I mean, nobody, when I say nobody trades futures, they trade E-minis and things like that, but there, we used to have all kinds of people who traded corn, soybeans, wheat, you name it, natural gas. You know, we we had a couple of guys. That's all they did was futures. We were, we 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 were the forty percent of the open interest in the Mexican peso. Nobody trades that stuff anymore. If all of a sudden the phones rang tomorrow, hey, what about your guys' futures business? I'm a, I got five guys, and all we want to do is trade corn and wheat all day. And by the way, we do some. I don't, I, you know what? I have no idea where I would find four or five people, like we used to have, that were that good that I could trust them to do that for. I mean, I I could still go back to my you know the guys that I knew from the trading floor, and I mean. I have, I have a big sphere down here of people that are still around and still willing to. I mean, it, a lot of people would want to work for us. I mean, we have a good reputation, but it would it would be a process. I I I, I could we couldn't handle twenty active uh, not online calling people up and doing natural gas futures. We couldn't handle that tomorrow. And then I'd be boy, I tell you what, you better get the right people if you're talking about contracts that big. That's not somebody off the street. past your Series three and. And, and advise people on natural gas contract. That's that's not what you want. I would I'd never be able to well, sleep again. And
7: Tom, um, imagine that you, you're uh, um, you you're operating a business, and uh, you know you, you used to have really really stable sources of parts. Yeah. So you're running a small manufacturing business, and you sourced your parts, and you probably sourced them overseas because you were looking for cheap. And all of a sudden, that whole world has turned upside down. Um, as, yeah. as to how you go about doing that. So how are you going to take the person who used to just sit there and, and set, you know call up your your uh, source and say, okay, I need more parts. Here's you know here's the date. Where, you know what's the price? Let's agree and shake hands. And now you have someone who has to be able to chase that down somewhere in the world, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you have to reskill them. That's you know that's the kind of challenge that small businesses, small and medium sized businesses are chasing every day right now.
5: Given is it, uh, and,
7: and, and it's in so many different ways. You know, what, you, what are you going to do? Um, you know, if you're a, uh, uh, a supplier to Walmart and they tell you um, that you have to, uh, uh, you have to start using their uh, blockchain platform. Um, you know, where are you going to go get the talent for that? So these are, you know, this is the, you know, the, it, it, this is normal stuff. There's, you know, the, uh, the world changes and you have to adapt to it. It's not easy. But, you know, where are you going to go uh, uh, to be able to accomplish that kind of stuff, and how are you going to be able to accomplish that? Because if you don't, you're going to be out of business at some
5: point. Well, right now, I mean, if somebody wandered in and wanted us to, to manage, you know, billions of dollars in some kind of a protective program or something that we do now, I, I, we could do that this afternoon because that's, that's where the business is headed, headed us now. But, you know, is there ever such – remember the people who used to be uh, – well, People younger remember the hell I'm talking about. Remember, people were like manufacturers reps, where they'd have like yeah. five or six companies that they represented, and they'd go to, you know, they'd, they'd go to Andrew's uh, machine shop, and they'd say, "Well, you know, I see you're making widgets over there, or this or this part. I got two two people here that we'll make those for you, and, and here's our price. You don't have to do it anymore. We'll do it cheaper." I mean, they, they actually went around and connected all these firms together. Do those people even exist anymore?
7: You know, I I don't know. I really haven't run across that very much, um, but I suspect they do. Just because, again, you have so many of these companies where their expertise is what they do. It's not selling, so you know somebody's got to somebody's got to sell for you.
5: Because um, they would go. So I, I
7: suspect they do. I I just haven't run across it. Myself. Well, they would
5: say, you know, I know it's them. one thing. Yeah. It's one
7: thing if you're dealing with a large corporation. They have their own sales group, but you you know you you really have to. Uh, you, you really have to have someone who understands the business yeah. itself that you're discussing, but at the same time, um, who uh, you know who will uh, sell for you because you don't you you can't afford
5: to have uh, a wholesale staff and you and you wouldn't know how to manage it anyway. Well, I mean, if you were building, for instance, a railroad car, which I'm, I, new mean, guys would show up at Pullman and I'd say, I see you're making those. Uh, you know this this piece of stamping metal. By the way, how would you just like to buy it from? They you know, pull out a catalog out of it, like fifty of me has. This company does just what you're doing, and by the way, they do a better job. And, 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 uh, those guys were they, they, those guys were magic.
7: By yeah. Well, what are you going to do if you you know if you make uh, plastic components and, and you supply um, you know one or two uh, auto manufacturers, um, and and that's fine. But you but you need to grow your business. And so, you know, who's, who's going to call? Say, say you have uh, um, Toyota and, um, um, I don't know, Ford. Who's going to call on GM for you? Um, and, and, you know, it, and maybe you got Toyota and Ford just kind of by dumb luck, and it's a long standing relationship. Um, you know, I, I, I know a company that does that. They do plastic components, and they have BMW they were fortunate to get that and it was the basis for the company's growth for a lot of years um, but they don't have any other auto manufacturers now what if they decide they want to grow you know how do they go about doing that and I I don't know that they have you know they probably have one salesperson um,
5: well can and, you imagine uh, what it, it would take is
7: that other relationship okay so where are you going with that that seems like it's right for the uh, the rep situation and so I that's why I suspect that they still exist. I, I'll
5: just have to ask them. I'll tell you what, you'd have to be a lean dog to find the right person at General Motors. Hey, we got to let you go here, but did you hear the story about the, the guy who had a house where the alligator went in and opened up his fridge and ate everything in the fridge? Well, <laughs>
7: um, Are you really, sure it wasn't one of our friends?
5: Uh, you know, I have a feeling a lot Branded of people... Played it on the alligator? Well, last night guys were telling me that uh, they knew people that when they came home to their place uh, with the water in the water... Or, they found a lot of new friends, snakes and alligators. are like, oh God. s futures down a buck and a half. NASDAQ futures down 43. That was fun, Kevin, with Joel on. We'll, we'll talk to you next week, and uh, we'll be right back with Carl Denninger.
0: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks radio show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at realtor.com or call me at 708 349 3456. That's 708 349
5: 3456.
0: Stocks, jocks, and jocks, Stocks, and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
5: Something happening here Hello and welcome back, it's and Jacks, I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board, everything's working over there now He's like a Harry Houdini over there I think he up, dropped water on some of the stuff But now he dried off or something SB Futures down 50 cents, Nasdaq Futures down 40 This is before, everybody's pretty much flat here Before these uh, employment numbers uh, We have Mr. Carl, it sounds like we do You most certainly do How are you bud, I have a, a couple of specific questions for you One probably nobody will We'll care about but another one. Uh, is I'm intrigued now by this uh, Archelos guys that took all these companies down and how how they managed to amass 160 billion dollars worth of leverage and are having, are causing some trouble with Credit Credit Suisse and uh, evidently uh, the one in Germany as well. How, how do you do that? How, how do you I, I, how do you how do you trade that big and, and go unnoticed? When I was just saying, if I bought 2,000 of a 20 cent option, we got to file some kind of report out. How, how do these guys manage to pull this off, Carl?
4: Well, the way they managed to pull it off is the same way that they managed to pull off all the BS that went on before the blow-up in 2007. I mean, it's it, it's the same thing, Chief, and, and we've been seeing this you know, all the way back to 2000, the crash in 2000. I would, <laughs> In the years running up to that, of course, you know, I was running an internet company. And I, I, you know, I'd sit there in my office and, and just shake my head at what I was seeing in the NASDAQ and the, the so-called backing that these firms all had that were being brought public, this was all being done by Wall Street banks and Wall Street institutions. None of this was with with people's actual capital. It was all with, with leverage that was taken on by these firms. And exactly zero of it had any basis in reality. Nothing, and the concentration is is where the real problem comes from when you talk about systemic risk and, and the follow-on effects, and you know Credit Suisse getting in trouble, and, and of course you know blew up layman and all these other guys, and Bear Stearns for that matter. The uh, there there is supposed to be a regulatory scheme, if you will, that prevents this kind of thing from happening. And, and I mean, you know, you look at the stuff with Credit Suisse. You look at what just happened over the Bank of England, and and the you know the threats over there. the The rumor is is that BlackRock threatened to walk away from the British bond market completely to leave. Now they they threatened to do this unless the Bank of England acted as they demanded. Okay, do you know what happens? You know you know what's supposed to happen if you're a private firm and you do something like that with a government. They're supposed to grab you, take you out and back, where the gallows is waiting for you. You get a perfunctory show trial, and up you go.
5: Not pretty much, yeah.
4: But you know what? That never happens. That no. never ever happens. What did What did we hear in two thousand and seven? There were going to be tanks in the streets. Remember, remember yeah. Hanky Paulson. Yep. Okay, that there was literally going to be tanks in the streets if we did not if we did not bail out. A bunch of people that did things that were ridiculously unsound, and our regulatory agency sat around with their finger on their butts watching porn on their TV monitors instead of doing their job. Well, plus, and they did this for years. It wasn't one; it wasn't one mistake. Okay, it was deliberate blindness, and the same thing's going on now.
5: What uh, the thing, the solution in their minds, and you know it's uh, it's certainly been bought into by. <coughs> The tout press is that if you manage to shove enough money into these banks, where they have so much wealth that it can't happen again. And to me, that's that's a that's a really dangerous solution.
4: Well, of course it can happen again. I mean, you know, look if if you give me the ability to use infinite leverage, first off, let's let's just back off. Leverage is always and everywhere speculation. Okay, I don't I don't care how you try to quantify it or what you say you protected any time that you use leverage it is speculation
5: you're in um okay. yeah, sort
4: of that's, that's that's just the way it is sort of fine but if you're a pension fund okay why is it that calpers for example in the united states along with others why is it that these organizations are allowed to use leverage without people instantly going to prison because you know what the you know why they do it and, it and it's it's just basic economics. The reason they do it is because if they don't, then they have to go back to the sponsoring organization that ultimately is the one that's supposed to be paying for these pensions, right? Because what is a pension? It's just a payment to somebody after they retire for the you know yeah. their retirement that was put aside for them during the time that they were working. They have to go back to those institutions and those organizations and say, you know what, we live in a world where interest rates today are one percent. Uh, this means that we realistically can't get a decent return on safe money, and in fact, it's a negative return in real terms, right? Because inflation is more than that. Uh, guess what? This means you have to buck up and put in more cash because we have to be able to pay these pensions.
5: Well, everything is on everything is on the. Um I'm going to say everything is on the wh- where you are in the on the zero to extreme line, <laughs> you know, like everything. You're supposed to, if you're running the marathon, you run half marathons. I never have. Uh, you're supposed to ra- drink a certain amount of water. It sh- it shouldn't be zero, and it shouldn't be eight gallons, right? Right. So I mean, the, the leverage that you and I might have heard in the conservative <laughs> finance schools at Notre Dame, where I was, and maybe University Chicago, it would be all right. Carl and Chief own. 25 hot dog stands. Every one of them <coughs> seems to return 20% and we pay out nice dividends and so forth and we want to build one more. Well, if we can go to the bank and get the loan, half a million dollars for a hot dog stand at 8% and we've never had one that didn't do 20, we're probably better off doing that. And, and by the way, making picking up the additional 12 uh, percent than we are uh, going out for for a uh, you know, a bond fund or a stock raise or something like that. You know, no, I don't think anybody would ever argue with that. But then all of a sudden, if we're out to the next fifty, we borrow for, and we continue to count on this twenty percent. Now we're building them next door to each other. Well, now the twenty percent might not hang in there, right? Uh, so not not only that, but it reaches a point where if somebody else has hot dog stands, and we're returning, you know, eleven percent on capital because we have the quote right amount of leverage they're going to say, well, I'm doing the same thing, we're going to return 13% because we're going to go further out on the leverage limb. You keep getting encouraged to go out further and further on that. I mean, obviously, if you and I, back in two, 2007, if we could go over to Japan and borrow money at 2%, not worry about the forward coming back, and, and pile into the mortgage market at 6 if you and I had $0.48 cents capital and $2 billion in, in Japanese loans, even you and I can make money that way, Right.
4: Well, this is but this is what I've said battle for you know, all the back to before when I wrote my book and in fact in the, the years leading up to the crash. And and it was from my experience in the nineteen nineties that led me to this you know, to this revelation, if you will. Uh, is that in a declining rate environment I can literally hold a cash furnace in my fire pit behind a house. Yeah. yeah. And and show good numbers. Okay. And I can keep doing that as long as that environment persists. The problem is it won't persist forever. And when it comes to individuals and individual companies, the danger with this is that you you can always look at the at the, you know long periods of history and you can say, Well, you know, history says that if you if you buy stocks for the long haul and you sit in them, they always come back and things always work out okay. All right. That's that is a true statement, but it's an irrelevant statement. Because you, I, and every other company, no matter what it is, we do not control when we have to have access to the money. Okay, you say, well, I'm going to work until I'm 65, and then I'm going to draw down, you know, 3% or, you know, the usual chestnuts. That's fine, except for one problem. I get to be 58, and all of a sudden I get cancer.
5: Well, you also...
4: Now, now what, what do I do in that situation all of a sudden? And you know what? Let's say that, that the cancer is successfully excised by surgical skill and treatment or whatever, and I don't die, but I can't work anymore. And now all of a sudden, that supposed safety net that was supposed to be there for me, gets turned into a puff of smoke. And, and the thing is, individual people and individual companies, you cannot control when this happens.
5: Well right. Plus, and that's
4: the element of risk that nobody accounts for when they start making these kinds of projections. You can say, "Well, you know, this is this, this is you know this is going to be okay because blah blah blah." I, I'm sorry, life doesn't work that way. I never know when I'm going to walk out to go get my mail this afternoon, and some clown's going to run me over.
5: Well, that's right. I, I, the the interesting statement. Well, your whole your whole thought process there was interesting, but the very first thing you said was. Everybody knows or believes that if you just put your money in and just leave it there long enough, it's going to be okay. I'm going to say, Carl, that 99% of the population believes that's true, but where they're wrong, or when I say where they're wrong, where they're where they're, they're misguided is that the averages come back. The stocks don't always.
4: Well, so, that's right. Individual names, you know, they yeah. do go to zero.
5: Yes, cause, but the averages come back, but... If all of a sudden everything went to hell, which I hope it doesn't, and the S and P comes back twenty years from now, PTI could be in the S and P. The the fifty stocks that are at the bottom of the S and P could all be gone, right? So it was on the oh, S Oh, absolutely, yeah. and,
4: and you know, here's here's the thing that goes along with that: the the indices have survivor bias in them. Oh, absolutely. Plus, they just put new okay. companies in. Yeah, and this is—I mean, this is just the way it is. All right. So you know that's fine, except that that's it, it just doesn't work. So, and again, it is not it is not that the that the statement that things you know always historically come back as wrong. But take a look take a look at what happened after 1929 and how long it took before you got back to even. I mean, it was, it was something it, like 30 years.
5: Kyle, have you ever have you ever? Uh, I have not. But you you read a lot of more than me sometimes. Have you ever uh, read a, an article or an, a study that said if you took they ha- I'm sure they had the Dow thirty in 1929. If you yeah. were if you were to take those thirty stocks, by the time the quote Dow came back to even after 1929, I'm going to say the original thirty stocks I'm going to say never came back to even, or maybe or well, th-
4: no you'd, you'd be right, well you take okay so. You want a, You want a more modern example? How about Kramer's? You know, Mavens of the New World article that he put in the street just before the crash. Yeah. Okay. Of those firms, I think there are three or four of them out of the entire list that still exist.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, but you look at if the. You were in
4: those. If you were in that portfolio and you just sat on it, you didn't sell it. You sat on it. You might have three cents left out of your your dollar that you put in.
5: Well, the. The, uh, the Nasdaq, the, the, two, the, uh, the well, the Nasdaq, and, and the two, and, uh, QQQs, which is the top 100 of the Nasdaq, in 2000 there were five stocks that were the same as the five stocks now in the sense that they were 45, 50 percent of the Nasdaq, right? Right. But those particular stocks, I think the only one it's higher than it was in 2000 is Microsoft. Uh, I don't know.
4: Uh, I, believe, I believe you're right about that. Um, I,
5: I don't know how you yeah, count yeah, Dell.
4: I'd, I'd have to look it up, but I but I wouldn't be surprised if that's accurate.
5: Well, Intel, no. Oracle, no. Cisco, no. And I, but now Dell is is a touch tough tough one because they took a private and I was back out. So I don't know how you I don't know how you deal with that one. But you know that's what's so hard. One of the reasons why I I do uh, clients that come in with cash, Carl. I, I put them in index. I mean. The big index products. I don't put them in some crummy ones unless you know they have some desire to really want to be there. But I'm in the spiders. I'm in the Qs, I'm in the Russell because <clears throat> I know they're not going to zero. <laughs> well, we'll find enough. But I, what, you know, the, the worst thing in the world for being for me is a broker and registered. I, mean, I talk to people all the time. What what if somebody would have come come uh, to, the, to the Carl's Brokerage in 2005 and it's somebody's dad and they got this huge account and they got. United, Kmart, Sears, uh, Bear Stearns, I mean, yeah. G- General Motors, and, and you sit there and go, that looks pretty good to me, <laughs> the thing would be zero, how, how bad would you feel? <laughs> Those are the well, worst I mean,
4: kind of uh, You know, I, I saved my father at the time, uh, he's, he's since passed away, but he was, he had a bunch of GMAC acceptance notes, which were paying a really nice coupon. And about a year before it all went down the toilet, I, I, we were you know, we were doing one of the holiday dinner things, and I and I told him I said you're on your mind, you're, you're crazy. Well, you know I'm making a great. Return. I said yeah, and guess what? Given what's going on and where the leverage ratios are within that industry right now, you're, you're the reason you're getting paid like that is because there's a very high probability that your return of principal is going to be zero. <laughs> And he looked at me like I had six heads. Now, this guy was a CPA. He was not stupid. Okay, I mean, it was what he did. He was an accountant for crying out loud. His entire life, he got out of them fortunately because they were zeros.
5: Well, I had a sort of the same experience. One of my buddies' dad was now deceased, but accountant, lawyer. You know, same thing. Very educated guy. He figured how much money he needed to live on, and looked for a stock with a great dividend. He sold everything and put it all in Citigroup. And what's Citigroup? Yeah, I, 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 you know? yeah,
4: well, we know how that turned out, right? Yeah,
5: yeah. Hey, I got a, 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 a an engineering question for you. As everybody keeps, we're talking about page two, Paul Harvey. Um, and if you don't know the answers, let me know. Everybody's talking about you know, electric cars and getting, and, a, and I know people now that are getting the you know the thing under their roof. And I don't see too much about windmills anymore, unless you're further out someplace. My question to you is a. When it comes to electricity, uh, when I was younger, uh, I could easily wire your house. I and mean, I wasn't going to bending in the conduit, but I could take everything from the from the backs, I couldn't bring the backs in, and I could do a very nice job at wiring your house. I mean, so I knew, know something about electricity, but that doesn't mean I have any idea other than my Pullman years of DC versus AC and all this other kind of stuff. What, what does it take? I, mean, I know I can throw a couple of those panels on and I can hook them up to a a few dc lights in the out in the uh, behind the barn and i can power the lights and i suppose i can get a battery or two to where i can power the lights all night and stuff i mean i i, I guess i get the simple some simple part of it but what exactly do i need to get that power that, that comes in dc either from a windmill or from a thing into ac and what do i got to do to get it to the 220 i want to plug my te- tesla tonight is it's got to be a lot of dough. It's, it's a lot of machines, isn't it? Or not machines.
4: But well, there, there is, and that's one of the problems. So one of, one of the big issues with, with you know, we, we decided to use AC as our distribution system for power in the United States, and so did basically everybody else. But there was a bit, when electricity was new, electrification of the, of the world, there was a big debate over this. And one of the arguments was that DC was more dangerous. And then there was the other side that so said AC was more dangerous. And, you know, as you can imagine, it was yin and yang, right? And, and, and one of the demonstrations of how dangerous AC was was actually the electric chair, believe it or not. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, ac won, but the reason ac won was that this was in a world before semiconductors. And the higher the voltage, the lower the current, and therefore the smaller the size of the wire you have to use and of course there's a balance because it's harder to insulate as the voltage goes up Uh, but you can easily transfer voltage and current using transformers with ac dc you can't there's there's no such thing today we can solve that problem with solid state devices but at the time they didn't exist so that is why ac won basically because you could build a long distance distribution system and you didn't have to have a generator, you know, every, you know, every five miles or whatever. Um, so we now live in that world, but to, but, but those, those solid state means of doing this, the inverter that goes in there and, and does this sort of thing. The problem with it is it has no, ind- okay. So, if you have a rotating generator, it is, it is a great big hunk of iron and copper wire that's spinning that create that generates the energy. It has a great deal of inertia while it is running. A solid-state device has no inertia. So as a result, it has no ability to resist changes in the load profile and pick them up for short periods of time until your, your source of whatever the ultimate energy is and, you know, can pick up or, or drop down in terms of its output. This is the basic instability problem that comes with trying to use renewables and using DC sources in a world where you have changing loads. Because when my air conditioner or my heater comes on, all of a sudden there is a great increase. You know, I know my house might right now, sitting here in the chair, uh, I, I, we, I might be pulling, you know, 10 or 15 amps out of the, the grid today. Right now, at this instant, but if my heat comes on, all of a sudden I'm pulling fifty amps.
5: Right, it's turn electric stove like, or, or die. Iron.
4: There's there's a whole bunch of houses in this area. You know, there's, there's, what happens when all of this happens at basically the same time? Because you know, people get up to go to work at roughly the same time, right? They get up, they take a shower, or whatever. Uh, you know, they turn the coffee pot on. There is this world with these resources. Uh, yeah, you can do it, but it's but it's not cheap. It's not easy, and uh, in, in terms of larger scale, there are real challenges with this.
5: Well, how do I get? I guess my my, the, my basic question is if I if I got the DC trickle into a battery all day, or I got I got the batteries full at night. How the hell do right. I get it? How do I get a two twenty draw out of a battery?
4: Well, the, well, you use an inverter. Those are those are commercially available. There is a, you can go buy them anywhere.
5: Okay, but I mean, how, how much? How, how big of a battery do i need to to be able to pour 220 ac into a
4: tesla for four hours oh good lord i forget about it
5: yeah that's, I mean, that's I, what i thought
4: uh, yeah you're <laughs> people people have no clue the scale of this okay i mean i you know i've built a couple of off-grid things for people over the years and and Question always comes up is, well, you know, I, I want to run an air conditioner. Well, that's kind of like charging a Tesla.
5: Okay. Yeah. So, oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> it, on a slow charger, it takes all night. Uh, you're talking about essentially the circuit capacity of a clothes dryer. But you, a load of clothing that goes into there, it gets dry. is dried in, you know, 45 minutes. Okay? No, no, no. You want to charge a Tesla? That amp draw is going to be there all night long. And you were about a crazy amount of battery capacity, which, of course, you have to restore and put into you know put into the system first.
5: What are those batteries? You know, those kind of storage batteries? I ever bought one. What do they even cost?
4: Uh, stupid money. Okay, a um, hundred amp hours at at twelve volts, which is you know twelve volts is the voltage of car battery. Right, time, right. 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 Hundred hundred amp hours in lithium ion phosphate, uh, which is about double the capacity of a a sealed lead acid, uh, which is a sort of comparable technology, uh, but it but gives you about twice the usable capacity. One of the one of those, which is one one point two kilowatt hours of you know so what a Tesla's eighty kilowatt hours uh, eighty kilowatt battery roughly yeah one point two kilowatt hours. That
5: battery is about $800. All right, so right now, if I just want to get one of these things for the top of my house or a little windmill, if I had a, a, a big enough place, like three or four acres, I basically can be, be with a battery, I can be running all my my direct, my direct DC lights at night or the lawn lights and stuff, and it, that's probably the first thing I'd do before I started doing all the rest of this crap, right? Right.
4: But, but the thing is, if you wanted to actually store... That much energy to to one time charge a Tesla, you'd have to buy thirty grand worth of batteries.
5: That's what I thought. That's why that's why that's why I asked the question. Hey, uh, well, and
4: then and then of course you have to have not just enough output from your windmills or your solar or whatever to charge the batteries, but also you have to have enough to run the rest of your stuff during that period of time.
5: So you need a—it's—it's it's a big deal. So you.
4: Well, and, and on top of that, you need to have enough that on average you get enough energy, even though the fact is is that you know some days are cloudy or raining,
5: or not windy, or uh, not
4: windy, right? And, and oh, by the way, uh, this applies, and in in utility scale use as well. And this is one of the reasons that that these kinds of schemes never work, and and. The difference is, is that if I have a megawatt plant that burns natural gas, as long as there is natural gas, I'm going to get the megawatt. Okay. Um, if I have a megawatt of solar cells, I get a megawatt at noon on a clear day, <laughs> right? which is which is a lot of ifs, right?
5: Carl, what do you say we go to break a little early? We can back love these numbers. Uh, SP Futures up four, and Nasdaq Futures down 18. Number is imminent. We'll have, we'll we'll shorten up on this break. We'll be right back. Stocks and jacks. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com.
0: Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks & Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks,
5: jocks stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of
0: control. Right
5: here, right now, right here, right now, right now. So- Hello welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. What a, what a, what a, what a great uh, song for the, the times today. SB futures <laughs> futures down 35. Whack, whack on these numbers. And as they futures down 153, we got uh, plus 263. Carl, I, I do not like economies where good news is bad news and the other way around. We're in one of those. Now it means instead of saying 263, they should say forget about your stinking pivot, right? And that's the way the market's taking these numbers.
4: Uh, yeah, well, here's the interesting thing. Usually the unadjusted household numbers are wildly different than the establishment headline okay I mean it's just the way it is because first off the BOS's black box knob you know doesn't get twisted with that and secondly the household surveys are just much more comprehensive uh, this time uh, no the unadjusted month over month is 289
5: well the adjusted I got them at 204
4: yeah I say, but the but the it's it's you know, 289, and uh, the other thing that's interesting is that uh, our not-in-labor-force number uh, went up by uh, 670, six 680.
5: Um, okay, I've got, uh,
4: this,
5: this must be adjusted, but again, you and I are always fighting about the, the one we're looking at, but two months ago, the not-in-labor-force, we don't know what they're doing column, was 100 million... And fifty-one thousand, and now we're, well, oh, hundred million yeah, and now we're, we're, uh, we're down to. Then it went to ninety-nine four, which you and I said last month was probably a very good thing to have happen because maybe people are actually, you know, coming off maybe some disability finding job, whatever it is, and now all of a sudden now it's it's popped right back up by two hundred fifty thousand. That can't be good. I mean, even though the unemployment rate shows lower, th- th- that's all BS because. They're, it's all the interplay between those two columns, right? There's now five point seven well,
4: million. Well, yeah, and and the, and the unadjusted number is almost seven hundred thousand. Okay, so yeah, six eighty. So I mean, that's a that's a bad number. So okay. How do you um, and and the the other thing that that I think is is quite interesting is that the employment population ratio, which is uh, I. I or that is in terms of long term stability. That's the one that matters because those are the you know, people that are employed are the people that are paying taxes, right? One form or another. Um, that's, a, that's flat on the month. It, it, it didn't even move a tip.
5: What? Uh, so, what, I mean, I, some of these things, obviously, there's a little bit of, on a month to month basis, they're a little bit. Um, uh,
4: well, yeah, yeah. month to month is kind of wonky. So, I mean, I, but if you look at like over the 12 month period, okay, which is which is arguably uh, we're we're four four point nine million, almost almost five million uh, better than we were a year ago. But that is a declining trend because last month it was five point four. The month before that was five was five point five that it was six you know So I mean, the pandemic recovery was was you know, very clearly there that's not fading off um and on a 12 month run rate basis uh population adjusted is down to 2.4 million which is uh actually how far back do i got to go to be that bad um we have to go back into well that's a good it's a couple years
5: well if you look at the uh uh, in the last year, I'm just looking again. at my, my simple stupid page uh, from September to Feb from September to March, you had serious recovery. You're back uh, four and a half million people working, and oh, now yeah. and now since March you've only picked up half a million. So since March we haven't really done squat, and and in fact we have we have we went from uh, hundred million two hundred ninety four thousand in the. Uh, we don't know what their due column. And in February or in March, that number got down to ninety nine. so we picked a million two people off, right? Uh, back to work. And now that number is actually going up again, which is really not what you want, I don't think, is it?
4: Uh, no, it's not what you want at all. And um, I, you know but but it's it's interesting how what you're seeing here is, uh, I wouldn't call it growth. I would call it stability. But the market says, no bueno, uh, you know, this, this means the Fed's going to keep raising rates. Well, God, has been saying that for a long time. Mean, actually, in, unless you were to see serious recessionary prints, I can't see them coming off of their program at all.
5: I uh, I actually wrote a, there was a University of Chicago professor and CNBC last week, and he, I never do this, Carl, because it's always frustrating, and he was on there talking about inflation and blah, 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 and I, I, I I kind of disagree with them because I really, I really don't think now all of a sudden every, everybody on there, even if they're thirty-five years old, is an expert on the seventies and eighties. I mean, it d- doesn't take much to be an expert, evidently. I could be an expert on and riding horses, even though the last time I was on, when I fell off. But I, I'm an expert, right? No, I'm not. Uh, the I mean, I so I actually wrote to the guy a, a you know pretty long email talking about why I feel this is not like 1970, 1980. And it, do, and, it, and it should not be dealt with the same way. And every, everybody is, ask, is acting like Volkler's their, their dad. And they know the guy. <laughs> I mean, no, oh, yeah, you exactly. Know, you know, I mean, I, come on. I mean, this is this is a lot different. That one was longer in coming, um, and the, the, the rates went up higher for, for like a longer period of time, but never as fast as this. There was never a, a 40% money supply bo- boost in like 20 months. Or twenty two months, right. so correct. So and now all of a sudden, that has stopped, and money supply is basically the same as it was in, in May. Uh, so it's it's not the same as it was back then. We we have, and I, I'm trying to explain this to this guy, and I write halfway decently. I said we don't right now have an inflation problem. We have a a serious inflation from two years ago, and now we have a a price level problem that ninety percent of the population can't deal with. It's it's a totally different problem. Than what Volker had to deal with, in my opinion. Plus, there's nobody. But you
4: have to get. But you have to get rid of the price level problem.
5: But I'm saying, but the the issue you have now, though, uh, how is it? You you don't have in those days. On top of this whole mess, you've got a Bureau of Labor Statistics that, if you're charitable, you'll say that they have a massive lagging indicator. If you're not charitable, you say they're just cheating. And finally, someday they have to make the numbers right. I mean, I don't which one of those you want to pick. I guess is depending on how much of a Conspiracy person, but you had you had all kinds of because I dealt with these things. You had every contract, every labor union, everybody had a cola clause in the contract, the sales price, and in the and, and we don't have hardly any of that today.
4: So yeah, that doesn't exist so, in today's world. That just doesn't exist. So
5: you you had massive pressures on companies because even though quote the inflation had stopped. The, the CPI with the, the goofballs, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, they were telling you there was inflation when there wasn't any. So you had to give people raises when they didn't deserve them. We, we don't have that now. So we don't, we don't, Volcker had to deal with that, which was a serious problem. We don't have that problem to deal with right now. I, I, I really believe, Carl, that we could the best thing we can do now before we screw up the other way is to get to like 375 or 4 on these on this rate and just stop and see how it plays out for a year or so. I think some of these prices will kind of slip back down, some of the supply chain stuff, which is, again, you and I know it's always a monetary phenomenon. But this time there are a few extraneous things that hurt a little bit. Those might drop off, I think, because all of a sudden, if if you raise these rates to like 10% or something now, you're gonna have the same problem on the way down. It's gonna be all uneven on the way down, just like it was uneven on the way up, in my opinion.
4: You're right, but here's but here's where the problem is, and this is where I think people misunderstood Volcker and, and taking shots that it was wrong, because I think he had this right, and the, and the people on the other side of the argument, uh, both then and now, have it wrong. And that is, the reason we're here, to a large degree, is not because there is a war in Ukraine. No, uh, no. Or, or these kinds of things. The reason we're here is because we did a bunch of really stupid stuff for two years in response to a virus. We didn't cause the virus, but our response to it is entirely our responsibility. No Wait! Wait! Wait!
5: Wait! Wait a minute. The, the Carl I know would not say two years. He would say at least to 2008. And most of the inflation went into the healthcare system, and they purposely. Oh, and, it. oh
4: actually, I yeah. I argue that it goes all the way back to 2000.
5: Okay, I'm with you on that one too. You and I. Uh, okay.
4: Yeah, and, and that the, the crazy land stuff that happened after 9-11.
5: Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I
4: mean, for crying out loud, I got a truck at 0% financing. Yep. Okay, which, which was nuts. And yet, and, and I was in a position where I could pay cash. Well, guess what? I didn't pay cash. No, I Because they were willing to let me have the money for, for three years at no interest. So, uh, fine, you're going to let me pay this off over three years? I don't have to pay anything for the value of time? Uh, yeah, I'll take that deal. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not stupid. But the thing is, you know, I'm one guy. There's there's millions of, of carls out there that, that look at things the same way. But what has been driven by this...
5: Wait a minute, there's only one is, carl. There's only one carl.
4: Well, it's everywhere. And and you know what? If you want to actually address this, it has to come out back out of the things that every single person has to have in order to survive. And one of the primary places where that is is in housing. Yep. And that means that the price of a house has to come down by half.
5: Well, well yeah, absolutely it does. I mean... Uh, that, well, that whole area, boy, if you want to add, I was saying yesterday, Carl, and we listened, but some I don't know, we had a tweet or somebody a listener, and I, I go, I've never been anywhere. Actually, it was a client call, we had a big conference call. I said, In my whole years in this business, of which there's many, I've, I've never seen as many potential landmines <laughs> on the road as I see now. I mean, a guy like Chanos comes out and talks about. You know Chinese debt. Well, I'd forgotten all about that. Not to mention, yeah, we well, are, there's
4: one there. Yeah. yeah.
5: Well, then now we got. Now we've got the price of what percentage of of home buyers in the last two and a half years, if they had to trade houses right now in a three percent mortgage for a six, can't move, or are going to lose their entire equity in their home. Uh, how many million well, 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 people you have is to that?
4: See that equity was all fictitious.
5: Well. It wasn't, it sure wasn't fictitious if you, if you saved it for five years You and your wife and then plunked it down It wasn't fictitious to you
4: Well, I, I get that But you know what? I traded houses during this period of time Okay, I, you know I mean, it was just before the pandemic So it was before the stupid Got really ridiculous But I sold at a bubble price And I bought it at a bubble okay, price Okay, you, you, did, net, the you did the trade did the trade. loss or gain there was zero
5: Right, I, I understand that But I'm not talking about the people that Nancy and Audrey, Nancy mostly talks about on money, a lot of her now. I mean, a, a significant percentage of her people are first-time buyers. They're, they're. Well, they're, yeah, they're,
4: they're, those people got hosed.
5: Well, not yet. If they if they manage, if they're going to. Well, maybe. I mean, oh, uh, well,
4: not maybe. How? How? Who do you sell to next?
5: Okay, when if you, when I say maybe, the problem in two thousand and eight, is we had some huge recession on top of it, and everybody had to move. Let, let's let's hope, for instance. Right now, that a lot of Nancy's, I mean, I, she doesn't. She never talks out of school. I don't know these people are, but she'll say, I've got a couple, a great couple. The guy's an electrician, and he's got a little company, and the wife's a nurse, and they've, they've saved this money up over five years. They're plunking it down. Well, as long as they maintain their jobs, their income, and have the three kids they want to have in that house, and they're there 20 years from now, it'll sort of work out. I mean, it's not right.
4: Well, it's, it's, look, chief, it's true that if you look at a house as as a place to live, and you buy something within your ability to pay for it, that yeah, it does work out.
5: Well, but if you ever had to move and go pick up a
4: well, uh, but but see that that's that's this uncertainty thing yeah. that I that I was talking about in the first you know the first part of the of the the show, which is that in the longer term, yes, yeah, it works out. The problem is life doesn't work like that. I know the place you no, work for closes, and and the job that could replace it is fourteen hundred miles away.
5: Yeah, well, the, the the hospital lady works at Closes. I mean, I mean, basically, bleep happens. I mean, I, I get it, but I, I don't think it's as bad. I, and actually, Nancy and Audrey have re- reassured me of this. Uh, it's not as bad as as two thousand and eight in the sense that you don't see people buying a new place before they sold the old place. There, there's not as much. There's, Nancy says she doesn't know anybody, and she's got a huge clientele. Did so, no anybody who's carrying two mortgages on the Hope. She said well, two thousand <laughs> Yeah, she goes in two thousand and eight everybody just bought whatever they felt like and, and and assumed they could sell their own and got caught with two. She goes there's there's none of that going on now. So I mean
4: Well, there, yeah, and I you know, I was I was overhearing a conversation uh, a couple of nights ago uh, when I was out doing a little social stuff there's some some people that are you know, the deals around here that are blowing up. Uh, there's a i would i always kind of keep an eye on the local market here in the real estate area and there's there's a a place that's on the market right now where this guy you know bought it in uh, in 2020 and seemed to think that he could turn around and sell it at a clean double for what he paid for it oh, God. and it's it it's you know price reduction price reduction price he's still thirty percent overpriced
5: yeah oh yeah well i mean
4: and it, and you know what it's it's not sold so what does that tell you
5: there's people that still think uh, uh, Nvidia be, should be three something. I mean, right? <laughs> it's one twenty five. There's
4: people that think that, that 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 Moderna ought to be sold for five hundred a share, or Amazon or you know Apple or whatever. I mean, it, it, you know, well, okay, how about Carnival? Yeah, uh, what's it trade at right now? So it's six ninety eight uh, as of last night. Oh yeah, it's a you know
5: just what you, what you you guys think I'm somewhat nuts about my my view on Volker because uh, I live I live. Th- I, I honestly believe, Carl, if he if he knew what, what we know now, because I think he was a pretty honest guy. But you never really can trust these people because the people that put him there are the banks. I think he could have put, taken his toe off the off the gas pedal, a year eighteen months earlier than he did, and I think he could have uh, uh, saved a lion's share of the savings and loan industry. But I wonder you know in, in academia I know like the people in University of Chicago they're, 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 they're academicians they're, they're they're an ivory tower kind of guys I mean you know they like what what Paul uh, George Stigler said once if you want to know the common sense of a uh, professors go and look at the cars they buy <laughs> they're all they're yeah. all they're all crap <laughs> this, this is a Nobel Prize winner said we can't we can't even figure out what car to buy <laughs> he you know, he was good at making fun of himself but I think that the that the academia at the time didn't think the savings and loan industry were a a bunch of people in a neighborhood had a place and oh by the way people put stuff in their passbook at 3% and you gave loans to people kind of in the neighborhood you knew the house at 6% and you paid the little league uniforms and the, they thought that that was an absolute albatross and the on the financial world that the whole thing got wiped out and I think banks encouraged Volcker to essentially take that business away and give it to banks. How much money do these people make now in financing these mortgages, or in servicing them for the Fed and all these other people? It's massive amounts of dough. I don't think they wanted any savings. I, I don't know that Paul Volcker, if, if he, we could resurrect him today, would say, yeah, they got to me, and I, and I put these people out of business on purpose. But but I, I really wonder, I really wonder, Carl, whether that was really necessary the last year, year and a half.
4: Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you where my my quarrel with that is and that is that I think there's there's an element to this that goes beyond the the mechanics of monetary policy and gets into the animal instinct aspect of things in order to break this cycle for if we're not going to continue to play this this there's a blow up every five or ten years and and it bankrupts people and by the way the odds of you managing to successfully navigate through this during your investing in your working life and come out the other side of it and not get blown up because it comes at a bad time. You, you know, your wife gets cancer, you, you you know, you have some disability that happens, you break your leg, you can't work anymore, whatever. The, the odds of that working out successfully to you, for you are not very good simply because you can't control time. and You can't control when you do these things and when you have to do these things. The only way to break that cycle is to break the mentality that as soon as the market throws a tantrum, it has an different tantrum, the Fed's going to come in and throw another you know, trillion and a half dollars on a balance sheet. And, and that mentality has that Pavlovian thing has to go away. What we saw for those two days this week, which all came out of this idea that, that the Fed was going to pivot because the Bank of England basically got blackmailed by BlackRock.
5: Actually, it was and, Australia. And Australia.
4: Translate over here, you have got to break that mental position. People have to stop believing that that's going to happen. And until they do, the Fed has to continue to stay on the course and say, no, you, you are not listening. You think you could, you know, you're playing the flea on the dog's tail is going to make the dog wag.
5: Well, except you know, the only problem I have, problems all along the line with that. That was what you just said. You know, I mean, you and I, I believe, think both think that there's a there's a simplicity to this. The simplicity is <clears throat> that the people with capital, you had you ran a good business, guy like you, uh, you made a lot of money, you worked at a place, and the place did well, you got a bonus. The people who have the capital are not usually the same people who have the newest and best ideas. That's right. So the the whole point of a bank, of a savings and loan, because it was all in mortgages, is they have somebody who says, okay, you give me your dough, and I'll pay you guys for your dough. And oh, by the way, for a reasonable price, I'll go out and find people that have the ideas, that are building the hot dog stands in the neighborhood and everything, and we'll loan it to those guys. By the way, at at a reasonable spread... We're we're not we're not making ninety bazillion years every everybody every vice president like it you know Citigroup or someplace, and a reason that that to me is sustainable over centuries. Once you get outside that envelope, one way or the other, it's it's not sustainable. I don't think And Plus, what I in, in my lifetime, unfortunately, uh, Carl, the Resolution Trust, the two thousand and eight crap, even the two thousand crap, you end up with all kinds of people end up with other people's stuff at 40 cents on the buck, or 30 cents on the buck. I think people love that. It, it's not happening like, you know, a depression. It happened in, you know, 1890 and again. in two ta- It's happening every 10 or 15 years where all of a sudden some people, now down, downtown real estate here in Chicago, well, part of this is COVID and everything. All of a sudden now these buildings are going to go, everybody who put their money, legitimate dough, into these places, 50, $60 million, and have a mortgage for 150, is now selling the place for, one fifty, and somebody's fifty mil is going into somebody else's pocket. I think there's groups of people that love this stuff,
4: Chief. I one of the reasons that I was as successful as I was, and was able to you know to do what I did, was exactly that. I capitalized on other people's stupidity several times. Right, but you weren't you weren't, you
5: weren't a resolution trust crook that got money from the government. And then the government oh, gave no, you 90 no, I did it with my own capital. Yeah. They, they gave people 90% on top of money they just gave them. And then then they gave them the places over 20 cents on the buck. You never had that. Trust me. <laughs>
4: no, no. But but you know what? I got Class A office space downtown. in your okay. credential for $8 a foot.
5: Okay. Yeah, I, I get okay. that. I mean, that's still and not that, the same you know, as. That should have cost me 40 bucks. It's still not the same for them giving you the money where you where you bought the Prudential building for 20 cents on the buck. That's a whole different well, No, no, b-
4: but but here's the thing. That that went directly to my bottom line because that was an expense I didn't have to pay. Right. Okay. So what does that mean? That means I can spend that money on other areas of technology that make my service better, or I can spend it on people, or I can do both. And that means I can provide a better service for a lower price. And isn't that what we're all trying to do?
5: But how would you feel if you knew, well, I mean, it doesn't affect you one way. How would you feel that even though you got that great bargain, that some other other guy got a bargain on the building itself where he was actually making money on that rent from you?
4: Well, you know, I didn't have the $100 million, and he did.
5: Well, my point is, if you're the, if you're the, if the right person, if you're the right person, they, they gave people that money in resolution, you didn't need the well, money. Well,
4: okay, yeah, and, and that's where I would be upset, okay? Yeah. If it was somebody that happened to have the $100 million in capital, then I, you know, that's the way yeah, the cookie that's crumbles. The, that's right? the way it works, I'm with you. have $100 in capital. But if... If he turned around and, and uh, you know basically scammed the 100 million because he was politically connected or whatever, uh, and now I got a problem with
5: it. Yeah and, and that's what it, there's, a, there's, there's a guy. it's not the... Uh, you were in Chicago way back in the day when I was a kid. there, there was this old there's this Jewish guy, brilliant lawyer, but he was he was all messed up. He was in a I don't know what his problem was, but he was in a wheelchair. And, and, uh, and because he was in a wheelchair, his parents, let's say, didn't fix his teeth. And and his uncle used to say that he could eat an apple through a picket fence, kind of thing, uh, which is hard, horrible to say about him. Anyway, not an attractive man, and he come out in the wheelchair. And he was a, he was he was a burr up Mayor Daly's ass like there was no tomorrow. And all this stuff. His name was Sherman Skolnick, brilliant dude, but just not not ready for prime time. Well, he ended up. If I saw him online once. I read some of them. His 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 reviews of the of the resolution trust, for God's sake, if those people are still alive, they all should be in jail. <laughs> it it oh, is yeah. amazing that well, what happened.
4: But you know, here's here's the thing: it's not it is not just that they had a political angle and therefore were able to get the capital. You know that that, that you and I could not grab right. Yep. It was also that if they were wrong, it wasn't their money. Right. Okay, that, that was the thing. Was that okay? So I got a nice deal on office space, but if I if I screwed up, I still lost my butt. It wasn't somebody else's cash that got lost. It was my cash. Oh,
5: yeah. Well, yeah. Well, my uh, one of my well, he's long dead. One of our original clients. What a character. He, big developer down in uh, Arizona. the guy was from Columbus, Indiana, all places. Uh, and he had like four islands up in the Bay of the Islands in uh, Lake Huron, Audrey And I went and stayed there one time if, if every year in town I got to ever bring those pictures you wouldn't believe these places you know and anyway so he he was he knew everything about everything out there because he barely got his big buddy of Keating's well there was they put together the the resolution trust local office put together I don't know 30 cents on the buck for like the Phoenician and a bunch of places so there were all these properties were all, were all getting piled out of wherever the savings and loan was and or the bank so the 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 big poobahs on high from Washington said we don't. We don't want no stinking part of these individual transactions you guys are doing. We want big enough people to where they can uh, t- take at least ten of them, like ten of the Phoenicians, you know, in an office building. All and right, stuff.
4: that way, if one goes goes boom, who cares?
5: Well, but but of course, the the only person big enough to do that was a special friend of the Bush family in Washington. So yeah, big
4: surprise, right? So, yeah. So
5: instead of thirty cents on the buck, I think they got like fifteen. So at that price, even you and I can run the Phoenician. I'm, I'm oh sorry. yeah. So I mean, and there are all kinds of other places, little medical buildings and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it, it was it was crooked from the top down, absolutely from the top down. And uh, I'm sure the same thing happened in
4: 2008, right? We know the same thing happened in 2008. Look at look at the the crazy stuff that went on with the banks that got with Colonial, for yeah. example, that got taken over in the middle of this. They had all kinds of paper out they had just reported earnings, and all of a sudden, uh, like a month later, when the FDIC comes in, uh, BB&T comes in and values the portfolio, and, uh, and 40% of the, of the value has disappeared in the space of 30 days?
5: Well, how many homeowners do you think could have afforded the mortgage that the new person got?
4: Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, then you had the, the knock-on effects of this. Where I was living at the time, there were several homes in my immediate area that had gone into foreclosure, and the people had bought them in a bubble, and then it blew up, and you know, they turned around and jingle mailed the keys, and walked away. The banks wouldn't take the bids. Really? I tried to buy several of them, and the banks would not, they, they wouldn't even talk to me about it. One that was down the street from me literally sat empty with no power on in Florida for five years. And when they finally did sell it and somebody actually bought it, they had to come in there with a, with the, there was a dumpster in the driveway. They literally had to gut the entire building down to the studs because the mold got going. You know, in turn of power oh, out yeah. in Florida, it's 90% humidity inside with no air circulation. What do you think is going to happen?
5: Yeah, you imagine the animals in there? Ugh.
4: Oh, my God. I You know, I mean, the, but the but the grass was, you know, three feet high in the front yard.
5: You got to be careful you didn't step on an alligator, for God's sake.
4: Well, <laughs> not so much there, but a snake. Sna- <laughs>
5: All right, Carl. Thank, and good stuff on the labor number. So you would say this is a decent report, or no? Pretty much. I, I
4: would say it's yeah. I would say it's about as expected, and uh, really not a not a bad number. But that's why the market's reacting the way it is.
5: Yep. All right, bud. Talk at you next week. Have a nice weekend. SP futures now down forty two. Nasdaq futures down one. no no danger of being down on the week, but still not a good day or shaping up. Be back on Monday. Stocks and jacks.
1: Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley.
6: Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit hamzianalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.